following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. The sermon this morning is a continuation of a sermon series entitled Living in the Vine, based upon Jesus' teaching where he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. That image calls us to make a personal connection with Christ, and we will be pursuing that theme this morning. Let's be for a moment in a spirit of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. The prophet Hosea in the passage we heard says, let us press on to know the Lord. In the original Hebrew, the word translated to know does not mean simply to have an intellectual knowledge about something. It carries the idea of being personally acquainted with something or being acquainted with someone. In the 19th century, Ralph Waldo Emerson was once addressing the graduating class at Harvard. The students were persons who had come to know many things during their course of studies. His central advice to them was, acquaint yourselves firsthand with deity. Come to know God. Among all the things or people that you might come to know, this is what is most important. And don't just have some ideas about God, make a personal connection with God. Come to know God. But how do we come to know God? Hosea offers us a very meaningful image in this regard when he says that God will come to us like the showers, like the spring rains that water the earth. Here in Northeast Ohio, we have just recently emerged out of a lengthy stretch of rainy days. And it looks like it might rain again this afternoon. Last Sunday, it was raining so hard during the 930 service that people could barely hear the sermon over the din of the rain pounding on the metal roof of the gymnasium. Yesterday, we were all saying, hooray, it's sunny. But in ancient Israel, an arid region where people were trying to make a living farming, they had the opposite perspective. Whenever it rained, they were saying, hooray, it's raining. Whenever you read in the Bible about somebody praying for the weather, they're always praying for rain. Showers of rain meant showers of blessing. In this context, the image that God comes to us like the spring rains is a very positive image that tells us several important truths about God. It illustrates, first of all, how the blessing of God, though not earned by us, is freely poured upon us. Farmers in ancient Israel were quite clear that they did not earn the rain. The showers came down as a gift from the heavens. So Hosea is saying that God showers saving grace upon us as a wondrous free gift. Farmers in ancient Israel also knew that over the course of time, there would be dry spells. 
In Israel, there are times when it may not rain for months, but ultimately, the rains do come. One must wait with trust and patience. In life, there are times when we may not feel God's presence or sense God's blessing, perhaps for a long time. But the scriptures urge us to look to God with trust and to have confidence that ultimately we will experience the touch of God's spirit in enlivening ways. Another truth conveyed in the picture of rain showers is that showers of blessing come to us. The farmer does not take the field to the rain. The rain comes to the field. So God comes to us. And this is one of the most important truths in the whole dynamic of coming to know God. We do not have to somehow find God. God takes the initiative. God approaches us. All these truths find their ultimate expression in Jesus Christ. In Jesus, God comes to us and showers upon us abundant love and blessing. So it is that we come finally to know God because God has first reached to us and is seeking to draw us afresh into a relationship with God. As a spiritual writer, Carlo Corretto once put it, God has looked for me first. And if I go to keep the appointment, it is because God is already there waiting for me. So God is at hand, inviting us to come into a relationship with God. But of course, for a relationship to occur, we need to respond to God. And one of the most important insights that Hosea conveys is that we need to respond not just once, but in an ongoing, progressive way. Hosea says, press on to know the Lord. The image of pressing on indicates that we will come to truly know God, not instantaneously, but over time. One of the most limiting ideas in American religion is the widespread notion that once you come to believe in God or to accept Jesus as Savior, you've got religion. That's it. But the biblical message is that coming to know God is rather much like coming to know anyone. It is a process. It is very much an extended journey requiring long-term commitment, even when we do not feel that we are getting anywhere. This whole theme is at the heart of the psalm that we heard this morning, which pictured the spiritual life as a pilgrimage where one is journeying towards Zion, the mountain of God. The psalm speaks of longing for God. It speaks of having in one's heart a highway to Zion, that is, having an avenue of movement in our soul towards God. It says that sometimes in our spiritual journey, we go through the bitter valley. We've all had those times, times of difficulty and struggle, when we may feel distant from God, but by God's grace working through us, the valley becomes a place of springs, abundant with fresh waters of God's grace. 
Finally, the psalm says, we will see God. We will find our spiritual home with God now and forever. Like Hosea, the psalm is encouraging us not to become discouraged or sidetracked or complacent, thinking that we have somehow arrived, but rather we are encouraged to press on to know the Lord, to apply ourselves to an ongoing journey that will take us into a deeper fellowship with God and a greater understanding of God's truths. This is why in the church we continually engage in spiritual practices such as worship and Bible study and prayer and Christian fellowship and service because these are all ways by which we press on in the journey into a closer relationship with God. The Apostle Paul expressed the same ideas as Hosea and the psalmist in the passage we heard from his letter to the Philippians. He said, I want to know Christ. I press on to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. I do not consider that I have laid hold of it, but one thing I lay hold of, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal, toward the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. If there was anyone who ever might have imagined that he had spiritually arrived, it would be the Apostle Paul. But clearly, he did not think that he had arrived at some final point on the spiritual journey. He talks about straining forward and pressing on. This is a very pertinent message for Christians at all times, and perhaps especially for our congregation at the present time. Here in Kent, we are going through a time of transition in pastoral leadership, with both pastors retiring this summer. Furthermore, as we announced in this last week's Mosaic, the church newsletter that went out, there was a paragraph in there announcing that Enrique Alvim, our contemporary worship leader, has taken a new position at Geneva College in Pennsylvania. That is a wonderful move forward in his spiritual journey of integrating faith and education in the university setting but it will necessarily mean that in the coming months, he'll be stepping down from the position of worship leader. All this change is happening right now. I'm reminded of when I was a young Boy Scout and our Scoutmaster, who had been with us week after week and who had shared with us in many a winter campout, decided he was too old for this. He resigned. Now what? We got a new Scoutmaster who brought a wonderful new set of qualities and led us forward in many positive ways. The time of transition in the church is a time for this congregation to move forward in fresh ways, to keep pressing on to know the Lord. The theme of pressing on is also quite relevant for the larger United Methodist Church. We are in a season of change. Churches are disaffiliating. Here in East Ohio, it's mainly small churches, but there are also some larger ones, and this is helping to accelerate other changes. For several years, our conference has been steadily re reducing the conference budget, not because of disaffiliations, but in order to keep more dollars for ministry at the local church level. 
as a result of those budget reductions, our bishop has been reducing the number of district superintendents, having superintendents serve more than one district. Now, with churches disaffiliating, meaning there are fewer churches and yet fewer dollars, our bishop and cabinet are bringing a proposal to this June's annual conference that we should officially reduce the number of districts in our conference from the current 10 down to four. A major reason we can do that is because in recent years, we have been becoming much more efficient in our ways of operating. All this, of course, is a lot of change. Even the name of our district will change. Once we combine with other districts and have new district boundaries, we used to be the Akron district. Now we are the Canal district. Soon we will be something else. Change can be disruptive, but changing times are not necessarily negative. They can be a dynamic context for moving forward in positive, creative ways. Recently, Reverend Denton and I were talking about the changes in district structure, and he remarked that maybe it's a good thing that the church is becoming more trimmed down. Perhaps we can become more effective in ministry and clearer in our message. Along that line, our church in Kent has just recently been designated a lighthouse church. Lighthouse churches are United Methodist churches that are solidly in the United Methodist denomination and that in contrast to disaffiliating congregations are proclaiming a clear message of welcome to all people. Lighthouse churches will be lifted up by our conference as potential destinations for people who have been exiled from disaffiliating churches, people who wanted to stay United Methodist, but who saw their local church taken away from them by people who led that church into disaffiliation. Our church has already been welcoming folks from more than one disaffiliating congregation. Being a lighthouse church will entail some further training and will entail some development of strategies for welcoming unchurched persons of all sorts into the spiritual life of the congregation, and you'll hear more about that in the months to come. Dr. Howe has signed on to this process. It is an opportunity for this congregation to become yet more effective in our outreach. All this ties in with the theme in the scriptures that the spiritual life is not a static affair. It is a journey in which we steadily press on to know and serve the Lord. We press on not because we need to somehow find God. God is already here. We press on to make ourselves more receptive to how God would empower us to live as his people today. We experience this in a profound way in communion. The bread and the cup remind us that the Lord is as close to us right now as these elements. We are invited to respond to God's grace in faith so that we are connected to the vine. Let us pray. O Lord, we find ourselves in challenging and changing times within our church, within our world at large, perhaps within our own lives. 
We pray, O oh God, that you would remind us that we find the solid rock of our salvation in you and that we can join with you today. You have reached out to us wondrously with your everlasting love. You are seeking to draw us into that walk with you. Inspire us, Lord, afresh to join with you in faith, to indeed be connected to the vine so that we can be filled with the movement of your spirit, so that we can be empowered by your presence with us to grow in faith and to join with you in reaching out in love to the world. We thank you that you draw us into the life of the church where together we can help one another to grow in faith. We can reach out together more powerfully to the whole world at large. We do ask your blessing upon times of persons who are, who are dealing with particular challenges. We pray for those who are sick. We pray especially this morning for Tim Smith, Greg Curtin, and Carl Schrickel, praying for your healing power. We remember those who are mourning. I pray especially for the family and friends of Jack Berta. Lord, give us that assurance that as we journey with you, we have an ultimate destination in your everlasting kingdom. We do give thanks for the broader church. We lift up our fellow United Methodists this morning at the Peninsula United Methodist Church and pray you would empower us as, as indeed we journey afresh in new ways today and as we are open to your calling to us. Lead us, O Lord, as we would rejoice in how you have come to us with grace as we respond in faith and lift you the praise. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.